Good morning. Welcome to First Cup 633, the podcast that will take us on a journey to start the day with Jesus and make him first priority in every aspect of our lives. Matthew 633 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. I'm Elder Shayla Payne. Grab yourself a cup of whatever your favorite morning beverage is and let's get started. Great day, everyone. Great day, great day. Let's get right into the podcast because this one here, um, I'm hoping it's going to bless somebody on today. Listen, there's this movie entitled Life. Um, It's a comedy drama that was um, created or, if you will, it was um, back in 1999. It's called Entitled Life um, and it's starring Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy. And there's this scene in the movie where um, Claude and Ray, who are their character names, Claude and Ray are now in prison and they're in the prison lunch hall and they're eating with other prisoners. And there's this conversation that's taking place and it's about um, what crime each man at the table has committed that has landed them in prison. And as the men are telling stories on each other or if you will they begin to tell on each other so to speak in an effort to make it seem like one's crime is worse than the other Claude and Ray are sitting there and they're listening to these guys talk about what they've committed what they've done which is I'm telling you if you've seen the movie you already know they're telling some crimes here at this table that are some very horrific acts of violence and so as the men begin to share some of these horrific acts um when it comes time for claude and ray to share what they're in prison for they both seemingly sort of come together collectively uh, and decide that it's best to tell the other prisoners that they themselves are serial killers um, in an effort to not make themselves look like weaklings or appear to be, you know, afraid or, or you know, to make it seem like that they're more notorious, so to speak, than the other prisoners. They have, they're telling them that they're some, they are serial killers and that's what they're in prison for. And they've been on this worldwide killing spree rather than just share that they really are only bootleggers and they've been wrongly accused of killing somebody and that's the real reason why they're in there and then one of the prisoners a very big grizzly looking fellow decides to challenge Claude for his cornbread this guy's his character's name is Goldmouth Goldmouth decides he wants to challenge Claude for his cornbread and Claude who appears to be somewhat afraid of Goldmouth um, decides, um, you know, he's not even going to think about trying to stand up to this guy. Listen, you can have my cornbread, is what he tells him. But Ray, on the other hand, Claude's buddy, Ray becomes very confrontational and stands up for his friend Claude and lets him know that he's not afraid of him. And if he even thinks of taking his cornbread, that it's going to be consequences and repercussions well then the scene sort of ends with Ray getting his butt 
whipped in the prison yard, which is obviously the consequences and repercussions for the choice that he made to pretend to be something that he wasn't. How often in life do we have to deal with the consequences and repercussions to choices and decisions that are ultimately the outcome of us feeling that we need to pretend to be something that we're not or feel a certain way when we don't? 1 Corinthians 7 and 17 says, Only let each one live the life which the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. For each person is unique and is accountable for his choices and conduct. Let him walk in this way. In the spirit of transparency, I have to be honest and admit that it's taken me a while to embrace some real hard truths. To come to a place of acceptance about myself, acceptance about some situations and circumstances in relation to other people the truth of others toward me, the truth of myself when I would prefer to believe my own pretense because the fact is that it's much more safe, right? It's much more safe there than it is to stop pretending and face the reality of who I really am or what things really are or what, you know, the reality of what it really is. And oftentimes the truth is harsh it's blunt it's a sucker punch to the gut or a chokehold to the neck that feels as though the very air that you breathe has been cut off the truth feels unkind and not so christiany at times but pretending pretending is just as hard pretending is hard work and for many of us our families and our cultures have taught us that pretending is the norm because we create facades that say our days are fine, that we're not in pain, that we're not scared or saying whatever we need to say to belong to society, even to God for some of us, because somewhere in our minds, we think we have to earn God's attention the way we've been fighting for everybody else's. We use uh, chameleon's methods um, that are lying to ourselves, leaving unresolved solutions to our unsatisfactory lives. When the truth is, we're 2.2 seconds from losing it and on the brink of a mental breakdown. And let's not forget the uncertainty and the storms many of us are facing or have faced in the past month facing right now, the unforeseen timeout that each of us had to endure as a result of the shutdown, which brought so much to the surface that we were forced to sit in and deal with in a sort of isolated and incubated and incarcerated way. Before quarantine, the distractions were easy diversions to the consequences and repercussions. But it seems we've all been forced to have some very tough and real conversations and not so much so with each other or with other people, but with ourselves. Much like the conversation between Jesus and the woman at the well in John 4, Jesus never avoided honest conversations. He delighted in them, in fact. Why else would he make space and wait upon the high, hottest hour of the day for a woman who was already an outcast by society? 
He seeks the honest conversation. He seeks the honest ones. In the real in the conversation that he was having with this woman at the well, Jesus has this very pivotal moment where he tells her to go and call her husband. But the woman responds, I do not have a husband. He then reveals to her that he knows this. He knew that she had no husband. In fact, he tells her that she has had five husbands and the man she is now living with is not her husband. He says to her, you have said this truthfully. Jesus wasn't trying to shame her nor put her in her place. He's he's not a rebel of his own teachings. He's a master of them. Instead, he wanted to see if he if she was owning her own truth, her own choices. He wanted to see if she was the kind of soil that he could sow into, hungry enough for wisdom versus protecting her own ego. She didn't tell him what she thought he want to hear she didn't defend she didn't even pretend she simply replied I have no husband he later goes on to impart wisdom to her concerning true worship he says God is spirit the source of life yet invisible to mankind and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth Can we ever worship him if we're not walking in truth? We're missing an opportunity to to discover the wonder of his freedom and missing out on life itself. We were never created to be pretenders. And it would do us well to understand that there are consequences and repercussions to pretending to be someone or something that we are not. Truth keeps us close to God. It allows us uh, uh, the room to grow. In the freedom of his truth, I can be honest about who I am. I can be honest about my fears. I can be honest about my doubts. I can be honest about my failures and mistakes. I can be honest about not knowing I can be honest about my imperfections and my flaws. I can be honest about that donut that I had this morning with my coffee instead of choosing fruit. And I can build trust with myself, my friends, and my family. Most importantly, I can show him that he can trust me. We don't have to prove anything to anybody. And we don't have to face any hard consequences and repercussions because we tried to fight for our cornbread. We can trust that God will always provide. He is bread when we're hungry and water when we're thirsty. It was in this divine appointment between the Samaritan woman and Jesus that I learned truth isn't reprehensible, it's revelatory. Jesus later in the eighth chapter of John is teaching in the temple court when the scribes and the Pharisees bring to the center of the court a woman who had been caught in adultery. They tried to test Jesus on the law in hopes of having grounds for accusing him. 
and in their haste to cast stones at her for what she had done, Jesus uses this opportunity to remind them of their own indiscretions and causes them to stand in truth. And remember I said, truth is hard. It's blunt. It's, it's not so Christian-y sometimes. When they persisted in questioning him, Jesus straightens up and he says, He who is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. He knew the Jewish leaders were setting a trap by giving him a legal dilemma with a no-win situation. He either violated Mosaic law by not condemning her or he violated Roman law by sentencing her to death. Jesus turns their accusations into conviction. And just like that, the truth shifted the course of that entire moment because truth is powerful. Pretending to be someone or something that you are not is deceptive. It's trickery. Satan, our accuser, operates in trickery and deceit. So we can stand in all of our messiness. We can, we can stand in the truth of, of the dilemmas. We can stand in the truth of our imperfections. We can stand in the truth of our flaws. But just like he did for the woman caught in adultery, Jesus silences our accuser with his victory over sin and death on the cross. Later on in that very same chapter, he tells the disciples that the foundation of their faith is based on truth. For he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's way too hard trying to be someone else or something else. It's too hard trying to fight gold mouth for some cornbread that ain't even that good. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We're praying. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for grace on today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that we are able to stand in the truth of who you are and even in the truth of who we are, God. We can stand, O oh God, in the freedom wherewith Christ has given us. We can stand, O oh God, in the freedom of who you have called us to be in spite of our imperfections, in spite of our flaws, in spite of our insecurities, God, because we trust that you are holding us. We trust that you know the plans that you have for us. We trust, God, that you are working it all together for our good. And so we don't have to uh, doubt. We don't have to pretend, God. We don't have to put on uh, any type of facade, God, because you love us just the way we are. You love us for who we are, God. And you showed that great love through the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. And so we thank you on today. We thank you, God, that we can stand in truth on today. 
and we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To connect with First Cup 633, you can visit our website at firstcup633.com. Join us again next week. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you.